Parashat Miketz. Of course, Parashat Miketz begins with the dreams of Parao. The first Pasuk says, Vahim Miketz Natayim Yamim. After the end of two years, two years referring back to the meeting of Yosef and the Sarah Mashkim in jail. It's been two years. It says, holem. And Paro is dreaming. The dream of Paro vehine and behold, Omed al Hayor. He is standing on the Yeor. This word Yeor is not a normal word in the Hebrew language. It's describing here the Nile River. But there's no word river that's called Yeor. And Rashi Alava Shalom points that out. Says Rashi, Alai or Kol She'ar Neharot, called Nahar. A river is called a Nahar. Enam Keruim Yeorim. We don't find in Hebrew that a river is called Yeor, it's called Nahar. Hot, with the exception of Nilus. The Nile River. The Nile River is the only one that's called, instead of Nahar, called Yeor. Okay? Why is it called Yeor? Mipene says Rashi, Shekol Haaretz, the land of Egypt, all of it was Asuin made Yeorim Yeorim. Bide Adam, which means that humans they 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 made channels in Egypt so that the water of the Nile would go and irrigate their land. So they dug all different channels for the water to go and do its job. Those channels are called Yeor. Hello. He says, because in Egypt they don't have much rain, so they rely on the Nile River. But the Nile River obviously can't reach all of their land. So they made channels in the ground for the water to go. Again, those holes in the ground are called Yeor. So again, one more time. I know this sounds like a grammar class, but it's not. I'm going to give you... Very important Nekudaya. One more time. Says Rashi. In Hebrew the word is Nahar for river. Not Yeor. Only the Nile got that name. Why? Because the Nile. It puts its water. It spreads through the channels. The Yeor. The holes that the Egyptians made for the water to come in. So Rashi explains to us why the Nile is unique and has a different name. But really the, the question of Rashi never got answered. He has a problem, right? That the word Yeor doesn't mean river. And in his answer, he never really answered the question. Because all he said is that the Nile River 
it finds its way into these holes and ditches and those holes are called Ye'or. That's very nice. That's what the name of the ditches and the holes should be. But why are we calling the Nile a Ye'or? The Nile is not the hole. The Nile is the river. So the fact that it feeds all these holes in Egypt, so why should it be named Ye'or? I believe here there is a very important principle in life. That the name that you get in life is based on what you give. The Nile is a river for itself. But because it gave water to the Egypt channels of irrigation, it got the name Ye'or, not Nahar. Because in life, really the name that you pick up for yourself is based on what you give, not what you take. We enjoy taking in life. But really the only reason to take in life is in order to give. The only thing in life actually that you take is what you give. That's why it says when Hashem asks us to give money for the building of the Mishkan, Pasuk says, tell the Jewish people means and let them take a donation. Let them take a donation. Did he mean let them give a donation? That's what it should have said. No, it says let them take a donation. Because in reality, in life, the only thing that you keep with you is what you give. And it's very obvious and very simple. Because I can prove that. Because anything that you have in your life, there'll be a day that you're not going to have it. Either in your lifetime, it'll be going to somewhere else. It's going to move around. And for sure, if you kept something till the end, the moment of expiration, what happens to everything you have? It's gone. And we know it's gone from you because somebody else has it. There's no way you kept that. The only thing you actually keep in your life is what you gave. And we must always count our possessions in that light. Hashem gives us so we could take care of ourselves. And very often he gives us a little more. Sometimes a lot more. That extra isn't so that we could have an extra cushion on the couch. We already have one cushion. You don't need two cushions. The extra that you have is meant for you to create eternity. To create something out of your life. Hello? It's not only in money, by the way. It's not only a money thing. It's in everything. Any 
thing Hashem gave you that you could spend on others, whether it's money, energy, time, and more, when you do that, that's what you're taking for yourself. So the appropriate name for the Nile River is not the river that it is, rather it's the recipient of its giving. That is the name of the Nile and that is the name of every person in this world who uses what Hashem gives him. You should know, you should know that Hashem clearly, clearly made the world. You don't have to be a very religious person to know this. You don't have to be very uh, learned to understand this. This is the most obvious, obvious. If you open your eyes in the world, you'll see it's very obvious that this is our mission in life. In fact, it is in the Torah, by the way. It is in the Torah. But you don't need the Torah. Where is it in the Torah? The Gemara says, Darash Rabbi Simlai. Rabbi Simlai, he taught the following. He says, if you open the Torah, in the beginning you'll find it's about kindness. When you are about to close the book, you finish the five books of the Torah, you'll see kindness. Which kindness is referring to, by the way? In the end of the Torah, he's referring to the kindness where it says that God himself buried Moshe Rabbeinu. We know that's a kindness. Hesed shel emet, true kindness. Which kindness are we referring to in the beginning of the Torah? Says Rabbi Simlai that when Adam and Hava saw they had no clothing, it says that Hashem made clothing for them. What a kindness. Buying someone clothing, making someone clothing is tremendous kindness. So you see the beginning of the Torah and the end of the Torah is all about kindness. Now the truth is Rabbi Simlai's statement seems to be too simple for a great man like him to say it. It's like opening a book and telling a person, on the first page you learn about this, and the last page you learn about that. Of course, of course, open the book. Anyone who opens the book of the Torah will see exactly what Rabbi Simlai said. What depth is Rabbi Simlai teaching me when he reports to me what was written on the first page and what was written on the last page? You need to be a great rabbi, Rabbi Simlai, to take time in the Bet Midrash. Get everybody, please be quiet. I want to share with you a Hidush. That's what it says. Darash Rabbi Simlai. He got up in front of the Bet Midrash and says, Rabotai, I want to share with you a very important idea. What is it, Rabbi? Well, already, first page is Hesed, last page is Hesed. Everyone's looking at the Rabbi saying, what happened to this man? What does he think? We're, we're, we're ignorant. He thinks we can't read. What is he saying to us? Teach us something that we don't know. But Rabbi Simlai is teaching a very critical lesson. What he's saying is like, he's saying that if you pick up a book in the library and you open the first page 
and you see it's talking about a subject. You open the last page, you don't look in between. You open the last page, you see it's the same subject. So you know that everything in between is also talking about the same thing. Says Rabbi Simlai, if Hashem chose to put in the beginning of the book kindness and the end kindness, so you know the whole book is about kindness. The whole book is about being a giver. The whole purpose of life is to become a yeor, is to become a giver of your energy, your time, and your money, and your wisdom. That is the purpose of the entire Torah. That's why he's pointing out. Look at the beginning and look at the end. It's all about kindness. It's all about being a giver, a giver of yourself. Just by the way, uh, a side point, total side point. There's a question on this uh, statement because really the first hesed in the Torah is not clothing for Adam and Hava. What about the first pasuk in the Torah? Bereshit bara elohim. That's not a hesed. The fact that God created the earth is not a hesed. He created Adam and Hava. It's not a hesed. Why does Rabbi Simlai say, oh, the Torah begins with hesed? You know where? When Adam and Hava needed clothing. What about all the other hesed before that? Why did Rabbi Simlai ignore that? Very important question. And the answer is more important. Answer is, when did they need clothing? After they messed up. After they totally disregarded what God told them they should do. What does Hashem do for them? He makes them clothing. This is a true testimony if you are a Baal Hesed. When you do kindness for others and there's nothing blocking, when Hashem made the world, there's no reason not to make the world. Nobody messed up yet. No one did anything wrong. No one rebelled against the creator of the world. Nice, he did good for that. But when was the real test of Hashem's kindness? When they ignored, Hashem made the whole world for them. He says, do me a favor, don't eat from that tree. Do whatever you want, but not that tree. And they went and they specifically ate from that tree. Now, what does Hashem do? He makes them clothing. That kindness shows that you're a kind person. When you're able to do kindness to someone who wronged you, someone who upset you, someone who maybe doesn't deserve your kindness, and you still rise above and you help the person, that's a true testimony of your giving attitude and your giving heart. That's why it mentions the clothing of Adam and Hava. Bottom line, one more time, we learn from this name of the river that what you have in life is what you give. Everything else is going to one day leave you. I said it's obvious when you look at the world, you see so many people need so many things all the time. Everybody needs. 
Hashem made people that need money. People need food. People need medical care. People need assistance in getting by their daily life. Everybody needs people a lot of the time in life. A person has a great happy occasion, can't celebrate by himself. He needs people to celebrate with him. A person, Law Alenu, sitting Shiva, can't have that time by himself. He needs people to come and console him. A person needs a loan. A person needs advice. A person needs a smile. A person needs a good word. A person needs encouragement. A person is little. When you're little, you need years and years of people giving to you. When a person gets older, it's an amazing thing. When you come into this world, you need people. When you get older, you need people again. Our entire life is, 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 is full of many situations that we need others. Can I ask you a very simple question? Doesn't the Creator have the capability of making us independent and we wouldn't need anybody? Couldn't the Creator give everybody the money they need, the, the encouragement that they need, everything that they need independently? The Creator is very wise. After all, each person, when we get judged, each person is judged on his own. Each person is responsible for his own actions. Hashem made us different the way we look just to, to remind us you are your own person. You're not other people. You're held accountable for what you do. You're an individual. So if Hashem made us individuals and He wants us to be held accountable for our individual decisions, why would He not give us everything that we need? Why would he make me rely on other people? For what reason? Why couldn't I be completely independent? That's a very big question that every human who comes to the planet, when he sees the world, he sees how capable the Creator is, and yet he sees how much is lacking in the world. He would go and start scratching his head. I don't get it. The Creator can't make something perfect. He makes this guy missing this, that guy's missing that, that guy's missing this. For what reason? Why didn't he make every single person perfect? By the way, this was one of the questions of a Roman. His name is Turnus Rufus. He asked Rabbi Akiva. He told him, I don't understand you people. You have a child, you have a baby boy, and then you go and you cut a piece of his skin. He says, why? Are you meddling with God's creation? If God doesn't want him to have that foreskin, don't you think he could have created him without it? What are you guys doing? He asked a similar question when it came to giving money to Aniim, to poor people. He said to him, you guys, by giving money to Aniim, you're going against the Creator's wishes. Because you know, don't you believe that God can do Anything he wants, Rabbi Akiva says, yes. Don't you agree that God can give money to that Ani if he would want? Yes, of course. So the fact that God didn't give him money, that shows he doesn't want him to have money. And since he doesn't want him to have money, what gives you the right to go give him money? That's the question. You understand? He's asking good. 
It's not, that wasn't a dumb question. It's a real question. Which means if God is all capable and he can make things perfect, so then you have no right to meddle in what he made. If that's the way he made something or that's the way he, that's the way he made someone, then that's the way he wants it. That's why he made it like that. What are you getting involved in his business? You understand? He's not just saying, don't give charity because you're cheap. He's saying it's wrong to give charity. It's wrong to help people because God could do it. And if he didn't do it, that means he doesn't want you to do it. That was the Romans' view of this world. But in reality, a more mature view and understanding of life, that question that he had has an answer. The answer is, of course, Hashem could make everyone perfect. So why didn't he? He could do it. He's kind. Why would he make people lacking? It's only one reason. It's only one reason. I know there are many people in the world today that dream of a perfect world where nobody would ever need anything. There are people like that. They sit in their homes and they dream of a world where nobody will ever go hungry, no one will ever go without money. No one will ever go without anything. Imagine a perfect world. How many people, if they were able to make the world themselves, I asked you to make the world, you would say, oh, my world will have nobody that's sick. My world, there'll be no hospitals. In my world, there'll be no poor, no poverty. In my world, everybody will have everything they need. I would make... A perfect world. I believe that most of humanity, if they were given the opportunity to create the world, that's what they would do. So in essence, they have complaints on the creator. In essence, they're saying, you know, you messed up. That's what he's saying. You don't know what you're doing. I, if I were going to do it, this is the way I would do it. But my dear friend, imagine a world where everybody would have everything they need. Sounds beautiful and great. But there'd be one little thing that's missing, which is the most important thing. There's no opportunity to be able to give. And the whole purpose of life, says Rabbi Simlai, the whole purpose of life is to give. So then how would you be able to help anybody if everyone is completely self-sufficient? So therefore, when you look at the world, you got to open your eyes. The reason why that person needs money is for you, not for him. You need that guy. You need to help your parents as they get older. It's not that they need you. God can help them. But you need to do that. You need to be there for people in need. When you're called upon to donate money or to give your time, do not think that you're doing this for them. If you think you're doing it for them, that's called kefirah. You're a kofir. No kefirahs? No kofirs? It's good you don't know it. You say, I see you were smiling. Kofir is not a good thing. A kofir is one of the worst descriptions you can give a human on this planet. It's not a compliment. A kofir is a heretic. Someone who doesn't believe the Creator. Someone who thinks that when he gives money to those in need, right, 
that he is there for them, that's called kefirah. Why is it called kefirah? Why? Simple. Because basically you're saying that God didn't know how to take care of the guy. And lucky for him that you stepped up instead of the creator and you helped him. You saved the day. Without you, people couldn't have food on their table. Without you, people couldn't go to school. Without you, people couldn't go and get medical attention. Lucky for the world that you came into this world. After the creator messed up, you came in and you saved the day. How does that sound like? Sounds like kofir. You think people are eating because of you. You got It's the opposite. You have to thank the people who you're helping. Thank you for giving me the ability to help you. That is the real attitude. It's not an exaggeration. It may seem very like out of this world. But if you really have a chance to help people, go home tonight, and if you're with your children, tell them thank you. You ready? You ready tonight? After Kiddush, say, I want to take a moment to thank you for giving me the chance to give you. That is the right. Whether you say it or not, listen, whether you say it or don't say it is not the point. The point is, that's the way we should feel when we're going to visit our parents. That's the way we should feel when we're going to give charity. That's the way we should feel whenever we're giving someone help or advice. We should thank them. Whether we actually thank them or not is not the point. But the point is you should feel what a zechut, what a merit I have that I am able to do something for somebody else. Thank God for that guy who is willing to take whatever I have to give. Because otherwise, I'd be empty in my life. I'd have nothing to my name. I would be a nahar, but not a yeor. I would be a river that's all about me. And I wouldn't be a yeor, which is all about what I'm supposed to be doing here. I told you once I saw a documentary... It's a beautiful documentary about a Holocaust survivor who now recently passed away. It's a very, very beautiful documentary that we saw on a fellow by the name of Felix Sandsman. You ever heard of him? Never heard of him. This Holocaust survivor, the little boy when he escaped, I think Poland it was, and he ended up, he was in a very difficult situation, obviously, he ended up opening up, he, he, he came out with a certain patent about a certain chip that he made. A certain chip that they use today, probably every electronic item today has a chip from this, from this Felix Sandsman. He opened up a factory, it's a, it became an international huge company. It's called Vichy Industries, you could look it up, Vichy Industries. They have factories all around the world. So they made a documentary on his life. And he went back to the old country with camera people and he was talking. And he go back to the he went back to the old neighborhood. And he says, Look at that balcony, it was still there, the balcony. He says, That balcony, me and my grandmother, we were hiding in that balcony when the Nazis in Mahshamam came 
through the streets and they were taking people, grabbing them. They took my parents. They took all my siblings. The only one left was me and my grandmother. And we were hiding right in that balcony under some blankets. He says, I'll never forget my grandmother. She looked at me and says, Felix, I want to tell you something. He says, you know, they could take away from you your money. They could take away your life. They could take away your family. But Felix, remember, there's one thing that nobody could ever take from you. And that's what you give to others. Nobody could take that from you. What you gave to other people is yours forever. Very powerful, powerful line. This is why it says in Ruth that when Boaz helped Ruth, she was poor. He gave her food. When she came home and Naomi saw all the food that Ruth had, she says, what, where were you today? Who did this? She says, the man that I did a favor for was Boaz. His name is Boaz. And our rabbis asked, the man you did a favor for? You mean, uh, you meant to say the man that he did you a favor? No, the Pasuk says, the Gemara says from here, from here you see how great people think that when you help someone, you are getting much more than they're getting from you. Good? This is the way a person grows in life. You must know, everybody has to know in life. That whatever God gave them extra, and we all have extra in something. We all have a lot of something. And many different areas in life. If God gave you extra, take that as your mission statement. Hashem did not leave you in this world without a map. He gave you a map how to read it right and how to make life really powerful. You got to read the map. If you have extra of anything, remember, it's not for you to hold it. It's for you to share it. That's why I once told you, the Pasuk says, Sadiq katamari frah ke'erez balebanon yisge. A Sadiq, a great person, says David Melech is like a date tree, a palm tree. And then he compares him Ke'erez, like a cedar tree. He grows like a cedar tree. So the obvious question is, you know, we understand the idea of being like a tree. A tree grows. So a great person is always growing. I got that. But why do you have to give two trees? Why the date tree? Why the cedar tree? Why specifically those trees? So this pasuk is very powerful. We say it every Friday night. When you say it now, try to remember this principle. That's the reason why we say this all the time. So it reminds us of important principles in life. Tzadikat, there's a very big difference between a date tree and a cedar tree. A date tree is not very tall. The reason why it's not very tall is because it uses its energy, the tree does, in order to produce a lot of dates. All of its energy, the majority, goes into making dates. The cedar tree, it's very tall. There's a reason why it's very tall. It has no fruits. So all of its energy, it puts into itself. So it just keeps getting taller. When we come into this world, 
Hashem gives us. When you give, when Hashem gives us, we have all these fruits. We say to ourselves like this, if we're going to give from what Hashem gives us, then we're going to be sure like a palm tree. A palm tree has it. Think if, think if a palm tree had emotions and feelings. He works the entire season. Working, working, sweating. He gives up of his own height just so he can make fruits. Finally, all the delicious dates come out. Thousands of dates come out. And one day, a guy comes with baskets. He takes his tool, cuts all the dates, doesn't even say thank you to the tree. And the tree has... So I gave up all of my height for these fruits. A guy comes and takes them. Horrible. Humans can feel like that in life. And many people feel that way. That if I gave my time, so when am I going to have time? If I gave my money, how am I going to have money? They feel like a day tree. And they feel that their ending is going to be like a day tree. Where they're going to end up having very short accomplishments and nothing to show for it. Says the great David Amelech. That may be the stories of the tree. In the world of trees, the more you give, the shorter you are. The, more, the less you give, the taller you grow. That's the story of the trees. But says David Amelech, don't compare yourself to those trees. Because in human standards, it doesn't work like that. In human standards, it's the opposite. Tzadik, a great person, katamar yifrah, a great person who acts like the day tree and is always giving of his fruits, you know what's going to happen to him? Ke'erez ba'levanon yisget. He is the one that's growing tall. By human standards, it's the opposite. The ones who grow tall are the ones who give. Hashem gives you more when you give. And you're able to give more. Never be stingy in life on things that you can give. You don't have a big window in life to give, you know. The first 20 years, usually you can't give. The last 20 years, you probably can't give that much. People think they're around forever. They're going to give for the rest of their life. People are asking them, could you get... Not the window of giving in life is not a very long time. Let's call it between 20 and 60. When you give, you grow tall in life. You have energy in life. Don't, don't remain your life as a nahar. Your real name is who you gave to. Don't keep things for yourself. Share it. Another point, small point. It says that Paro was standing on the river. Vehine omed alai or. You ever hear a more ridiculous dream than that? He's standing on the river? Do you mean he's standing by the river? Isn't that the way usually things happen? Why does the Pasuk say 
He's standing on the river. You had a question? Hine omen al or. I want to give you a little tunnel into a man like Paro and the way he lives his life. In Mitzrayim, their worship was the Nile. The Nile to Egypt was their blessing. The Nile was their God. They would worship, literally, they would worship the Nile. The same way we come to worship the creator of the world, they come to worship the creator of Egypt. The creator of Egypt is the Nile. All the blessings of Egypt come from the Nile. They would worship the Nile. But look at the way Paro worships the Nile. The way Paro worships his God is... He is Omed. He stands al or He stands on top of his God. You know what that means? He stands on top of his God? It means he that he uses his God for himself. He uses religion for when it's good for him. He takes from it what he wants. He ultimately decides what he wants to do. And when he sees that God also agrees, then he will use that as a hezuk for himself. Oh, you see, I was right. That's what, 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 how many times you saw guys says, have you ever did that? You learn something, and you say, oh, that's what I do. What? That's what you do. Right? Yeah, what does that mean? What, what, what is he trying to say? When a person learns something, and he said, that's what I do. What, what, does that, what does that mean? What does that mean? So it could mean that, thank God, I was zocher to have the same wisdom as the Creator. That's nice. Or it could mean that when you're listening, you're trying to measure the Creator to yourself and see if He gets it right. You have no idea how many times we do that. Very often when we're listening, we're trying to see if the Creator got it right. And sometimes we read something and we say, Ah, look at that. That's what I think too. And when you see something that maybe you didn't think, you say, Could that be for real? What? Doesn't make sense. Instead of saying, I don't get it. Say it doesn't make sense. Very big difference, by the way. If you say I don't understand, or say it doesn't make sense. When you read the Torah like that, which again I'm saying it's it's not doesn't make us a bad person. It just it's very natural for us to feel like we know everything. And therefore, whenever we read and learn something, we want to know if it fits with what we know. That's called para omed. It means you stand on top of your creator and you see if he knows what he's doing and see if you agree with what he's saying. Got it? By Yaakov Avinu, the dream was a lot different. When he had the dream of the sulam, of the, of the, of the ladder, it says, I'll read it for you. Inside, 
What does it say about that ladder? It says, Vehine Adonai Nitzav Alav. By Yaakov, when he dreams, see, Yaakov has a certain understanding of my relationship to my Creator. What you dream in life is where you are. You dream about what you think. Yaakov dreamt in the way he lives his life, and Paro dreamt in the way he lives his life. Paro lived his life where he's on top of the, of the God. And Yaakov dreams of Hashem on top of the ladder. There's a very big difference in life of how you approach your relationship with the Creator of the world. Is He on top of you or are you on top of Him? And that's a very serious question that every person must ask themselves because you cannot even realize it and you could be al-hay'or like par'or and not realize that you're even doing it. We must realize that the Creator of the world is way much wiser than us and therefore, it is our job to understand what he's saying, to try to figure out what he means, but never to compare him with our wisdom. We need to compare our wisdom with his. I will give you one short thing. Very, it's very important. I don't want to miss it. It's in this next pasuk, pasuk bet. What was in the dream? It says, The famous dream of Paro. What did he see coming out of the Nile? Olot, coming up, Sheva Parot, seven cows. Listen, listen good now. He saw seven cows coming out of, no, coming out of the Nile. Rashi says, Yefot Mareh, which means, Yefot Mareh means, they were beautiful looking. Not sure how beautiful cows can be. But whatever it was, they were beautiful cows. Yefot Ubriot basar. And they had a lot of meat on them. So a lot of meat on a cow is definitely something we can understand as something nice. But what does it mean, yefot mar'eh? A beautiful cow. So that she's bothered by this. Look at Rashi, Allah wa shalom, what he says. He says, yefot mar'eh. When he saw cows that were beautiful looking, Siman who? This was the sign. If you want to know how Yosef got to interpret the dream, how he knew, says Rashi, is how he knew. Siman, it's a sign. Limehasova. It's a sign that Egypt will have days where people will be satisfied. How did he see that? Says Rashi, look what he said. Look at his beautiful word. These are such powerful words. Even though it's all talking about cows, but it's really powerful. Shea biriot nirot yafot zolezo. He said, when a person is satisfied, he makes a nice face to others. How did Yosef know that it's going to be days where people will be satisfied? There'll be plenty in Egypt. Because he saw that the cow was giving a nice face to the others. Says Rashi, when there is someone who is satisfied, 
you will see on his face a light onto others. When you're a satisfied person, you give your light on others that you see all the time. You know what that means? And it means if your face is not giving that light, if you walk around and you have always that, the frown, the look, the, you know what that shows? Shows more than, till now we thought, okay, forgot it didn't smile. The guy has this, whatever, face on him, right? So we think, okay, he's not a kind person, right? Says Rashi, no, it's much deeper. Says Rashi, there's a siman. If you're a guy who doesn't have his face shine sunlight on other people's life, that shows it's a siman that you're not a satisfied person. It shows you're not a happy person in yourself. Because a sign of satisfaction is the light on your face that you shine onto others. Amazing thing. It's a much deeper thing than, oh, the guy doesn't smile. The guy has always a face. I see, no, no, it's not. He's got a problem. His problem is he is not a happy person with himself. He's not satisfied. Automatically, if you're satisfied, you're going to show that satisfaction on your face to others. And if you're not showing it, go back to the school, go back to the uh, videotape, go back to the books, go figure out something. There's something wrong in you. It's not that you just don't smile. Oh, no, I just don't smile. No, no. As she's telling you, it's a life principle. If you don't smile, if you don't have a nice face to others, there is an indication about you. So if you look in the mirror and you see it's not the right way, it must need not, not be coming from the right place either. And you got to work on that. Work on being a satisfied, happy person. Hashem should give you all tremendous. Have a great day. I have more, but you know, I want to know. I, I stop.